Hi there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the Cloud-Based Mayhem. Sat down with Ellie Egger, who's from Austria, and she's in the X-Alps this year as a rookie, but it isn't her first X-Alps. She supported Simon and actually Aaron both. I didn't realize that, but in the 2017 race and supported Aaron, who was his kind of main supporter in the 2019 and 2021 race, handled all of his navigation and strategy and mapping and getting the launches and all that kind of thing. She's a mapping expert, and that's what she studied in university. She's also a paragliding instructor and been in the game since the tender age of 14, I believe she said, and she's been at it ever since. So then she's getting ready for the big show herself. She'll be competing this year as a rookie. And so we talk about her training and preparation and what she learned from the, doing the support role. And we talk about her kind of her mapping expertise and navigation. And she's, she has the tech totally dialed, so that's certainly not one of her worries. But we talk about it all. We talk about competition flying. And she was down here for the super final, as I was. And we recorded this in here in Mexico just a few hours after I had the chat with Aaron that we put up last week. And hopefully you heard that one. Some great stories there. But... Is obviously because we're here in Mexico, there's some a little bit of sound in the background, but for the most part, it wasn't too bad, so I don't think that'll uh, cause any problems. But wonderful chat, it was a great gal, and it was it was fun to kind of get into her brain and dig around a little bit with this this massive endeavor she's undertaking. Please enjoy. Cheers. Ellie, welcome to the cloud-based mayhem sitting. I don't get to do these live that often. That's really kind of nice to do, but we're uh, just wrapped up the super final, crazy 10 days of racing. And uh, I'm sure you're excited to return home and, and get back to training. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for being here, first of all. Yeah, we had a really nice time here in um, Mexico right now. Tough flying, but I really enjoyed it. And yeah, for sure, going back home in the snow, some ski mountaineering to do. It's really looking forward to it. And you were just telling me before we started recording, you're near the Dockstein. You're near the start of the race. That's where you live? Yeah, exactly. I'm living um, quite on the foot of the mountain at Ramsam Dachstein. Yeah. And so I'm like in the center of the mountains. It's really awesome there. So a super nice site for flying, ski touring, running, uh, hiking, biking, whatever you want to do in the mountains. It's awesome there. For those who don't know, you know they they, they know the name because you're you're competing in the X Alps, the biggest race in our sport by far, uh, coming up this year. And you've supported Aaron twice. I just had him on the podcast last night. That'll be released here shortly. Doing the memory lane thing with Aaron, and you supported him twice, which we'll talk about. But uh, give us a brief rundown of your flying history, how you got into it, and how long you've been doing it, and how you got involved with Aaron and supporting and and all that. Uh, actually, it's um, quite a funny story because I'm usually from the southern uh, of Austria, so from the flatlands more or less. Okay. And so it was for our hiking holidays with my family. And there you could do like one kind of taste a day, so some paragliding for free. And I was like, I want to do it, I want to do it. And I was 14 by that time. Mm -hmm. And so my mom said, yeah, okay, you can do it. And I, yeah, 
first time getting in the air completely hooked, so it was awesome. And then I was like, I want to go on, I want to go on. And mom was like, yeah, yeah, you can do whatever you want, but you have to pay for it yourself. Ah. And with 14, it's kind of a bit of a challenge to, to earn Can you money. fly at 14 in Austria? Is that, what's you, the legal, is there a legal age or you do it? Yeah, you can start with 14, but you only get the license with um, 15 or 16. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but I could start it with the courses. And so actually I started to talk to the flight school owner, um, Anna. And I was like, I really want to do it, but I don't have money. And so uh, she was like, okay, you can work in the office for some hours. And so you can do the course. And that's how I, I got into paragliding and like doing some office work and doing some flights and doing some office work. And that went on for two years till I had finalized my license. And yeah, finally now I'm still in the same flight school working as a paragliding instructor there now. Really? Yeah. Um, actually, now I even got good part of it. Like now I'm on the You're bossy the side. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> wow, nice. So really nice. So this nice is your way. job. Yeah, your it's job my job. Is, is flying. It's and flying. Instructing in tandems? Um, I don't do so much tandems. I, I have a license, but I, I think that's something the boys can do. Yeah. And I enjoy mostly cross-country um, flying and teaching. And I just started with um, safety trainings. So like um, doing the SOEs. Oh, okay. So teaching. Teaching, yeah. Oh, okay. Over the uh, water? Or? Over the water. We are based in Italy at uh, Lago di Idro. Yeah. Ah, really, really nice spot. Much more quiet than uh, Lago Garda. di Garda, yeah. which is just close by. In so, good vertical? I haven't heard of this place. Um, it's you have about seven hundred meters above the water. Okay. So not bad. Yeah, it's actually pretty nice. Yeah. And the thing is, you drive up by car, so you're kind of independent. You don't need a, uh, the cable car or anything. Oh wow! So that's what's uh, the name of it? Uh, Lago de Itbo. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah. Something to put on people's map. That I hadn't yeah, heard of that it's one. it's kind of secret spot still. Yeah, but it's super beautiful. We really lack SIV sites at home. We, we we really lack, you know, gondolas and that kind of thing. Yeah. We just don't have the infrastructure that the Alps does, but it's been tricky. Fine. We do a lot of towing yeah, okay. over the water, but it's expensive and it's, yeah, it's tricky. So it's, uh, there's so many places in the Alps that are good, but I've done Garda a bunch, but I didn't know about this one. We'll have to, I'll check it out. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nice because there are less people, but yeah, you have to kind of organize with, with someone because you need a car or a driver. Yeah. Um, so if you just go alone, it's easier on, on Gata. Uh, or if you want to train acro and you need like, I don't know how many meters above the water, yeah. then you better go to, to Gata. But for normal uh, IV stuff, it's super nice. Have you found by teaching it, has it helped your own SIV, your own abilities? Does that, is it really correlate? Yeah, I, I think so, because you have to think twice about, um, what you're doing and how to explain it. And each time there is some new students asking a question kind of differently. And so you have to rethink about uh, stuff and aerodynamics. And of course you have to do all the maneuvers by yourself to be able to, to teach them. Yeah. And so it's a good training because yeah, with the competition gliders, which I normally fly, you get kind of lazy of doing all this stuff. Yeah, so in the last two years we started doing um, SOEs for the German and the Austrian league. Yeah. for the competition pilots ah. and so i did the same stuff uh, so you're doing well. it on ccc wings yeah. yeah yeah cool so that's pretty nice and it keeps you um good in, in the air so it keeps you tuned up yeah uh -huh. we, we needed that this couple of weeks didn't we? ah yeah so never seen so many hits never before i mean uh, there was a lot of, i mean there was a 
incredible amount of mid airs, but also just a lot of hits. Oh yeah. I saw one of the one of the Niviak pilots going out to the Monarchas the other day. I, I've never seen a hit like this. His wing just turned into a rope. Oh, Did you yeah. see that one? I did the orange one. I saw an no, orange one. No, it was it was the same. Falling. You know the team one that we yeah, all had, yeah, the green yeah. and pink, the or teal and pink, whatever. Yeah. It was, and I I can't remember. It wasn't Tangy or Tim. I don't know which. I don't know who it was. But uh, the 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 glider just it was he was right in front of me coming out of a thermal, and his glider just turned into a rope. Oh, and then when it, when it came back out, it was like a bomb going off. It was oh. just holy smokes! <laughs> I'm going over here. But yeah, there was a bunch of them. Yeah, I don't yeah. usually. I don't. We don't see that much with the CCC gliders these. I don't. You know, the, in comps, you just don't see people taking hits that much. But man, there was a lot this week. It oh yeah, and it was quite rough air. But I was actually happy that we are all like pretty good pilots. Yeah. Because if you imagine a lower pilot's level here, that could have ended worse. So. Yeah, you know, I come down here for the Monarca every year, and there have been. Monarchas where there are a lot of incidents, yeah. Yeah, just uh, mostly reserves. Thankfully, very few accidents. Yeah. If people yeah. throw, they're usually okay. But the, but there there have been comps here that are just mayhem, yeah. <laughs> and it was really like that. It was it just interesting to have it like that in a super final. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't have expected that. No, me neither. But it was like on the first few days, I was like, oh my gosh, what's going on here? Like, yeah. there's a rescue, there's a rescue, so. Okay, I I just don't wanna <laughs> wanna get a problem in here. <laughs> totally, totally. So, instructing is that uh, will you keep that going right up until the X Alps? Or are you gonna cut and just just do nothing but training? And you've got a lot of experience with the X Alps, supporting Aaron a couple times. Uh, I'm curious about your path between now and the race. Um, actually, like training, uh, I'll do side uh, to working. Yeah. Um, because as I'm kind of self-employed, it's more easy to, to manage. And I'll spend a couple of weeks down at Idro for teaching. So it's always like more or less four and a half days teaching and then two and a half days off. Yeah. So, um, but even on these days, I I can do like the basic training uh, I'm doing right now. So like, I have like a full plan, training plan. <laughs> do you have a, do you have a trainer? Uh, yeah, my supporter. She okay. is, she studied sports and so she made me like a full plan and now she's like, each day I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. She's like, why didn't you do that? So, <laughs> <laughs> it's nice to have somebody to be accountable to, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. yeah. And, and I was like, you have to do nothing today. <laughs> That's most, uh, most of the time what, what she's saying because I'm like, ah, do, 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 I want to do something and then the weather is good and I just want to run up the mountain and it's yeah. like rest day. So, rest, rest is really... I'm, yeah. Learn that rest is yeah. rest and recovery are really important more than you think. You always think, oh, I need to be doing more. I need to be doing more, but you got to give your body a chance to recover too. Yeah. How did you tie? Well, before we get to that, how long have you been flying comps? So I started uh, competing in 2016, and so in December 2016, I went down to Portugal in South Africa for the Western Cape Open, and that was like my first big international competition, 100 pilots and so many good ones, you know. And that's where I met Aaron. Um, because I was down there with Paul Guschelbauer and Stefan Gruber. Yeah. And they were competing at the next edition, 2017 in Ixalps. And so they were kind of talking to Aaron and I was just, yeah. Were you thinking back then that something that you might want to do someday or not yet? That wasn't really on your not, radar. Not yet. It was too far away. Yeah. Like kind of all these guys flying so good and so far on the mountain. And I was just like happy to kind of get to know them and to learn and, and stuff. And yeah, just 
being there, I kind of got in ta- uh, contact with Aaron. And so like on windy days, uh, one day they, they took off and Aaron had like crazy lot of ballast. And so he was kind of lifted and sit back on his, on his ass more or less. He couldn't stand up again. <laughs> and that's how I got in touch because I just helped him up. And so um, down at the landing, he was like thanking me. And um, actually at this time, I think we, we ended up drinking some gin tonics. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. And so we kind of got in touch. Yeah. And yeah, it uh, kind of ended up being a really nice friendship. Cool. Um, so yeah, as I was uh, in Graz uh, studying at that, uh, that time, I also was in contact with uh, C- uh, Simon yeah. uh, And he asked me if I would help him with navigation in 2017. And so actually it was two and a half times in Ixa. And um, that's how Aaron found out that I'm kind of good with navigation. Um, so that's why he asked me in 2019. Or actually he asked me in 2018 if I want to be his supporter in the next edition. Because he's not very technical. He would say um, that about himself. No. <laughs> I wouldn't really call him technical. No, no. Yeah, he's more he's, fly by the seat of your pants kind of guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, he's a lot of things, but he's not the tech guy. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he would say that first about himself as well. But yeah, let's talk about that. Mapping. That's what you studied in school? Uh, at university. Yeah. yeah I, I was a programming uh, school, uh, so technical college for programming first. And that's what I uh, went to school for. And then I, at university, I studied geodesy. It's like the science of measuring the earth. Okay. So everything about uh, GPS, navigation systems, and maps um, uh, is uh, software. So whatever you can need for finding a route. And I'd love to see your UDI screen. Do you fly with? An, what do you fly with? I know. I actually don't have a UDI. Now on the drift, I wouldn't even know where to put it. <laughs> it fits. I've got. I put my UDI in my my phone. Okay, it, it works like really well. Yeah, all right, just, portrait just mode. Two. Yeah, I didn't think it was going to work, but it works. Yeah, it works. Yeah, portrait mode. It works pretty good. Okay. But uh, so, what do you use? Uh, I'm mostly flying with XC Track. Okay. Yeah. Just phone. Just phone. Ah, okay. And and I have like a X Tracer. Yeah. Um, that's Very kind well. of. Uh, okay, and the I'd still like to see your screens. It's <laughs> 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 fascinating. So things like I would imagine things like airspace are just. Piece of cake for you, natural. Yeah. Oh, yeah. that would be a dream. It's uh, not natural for me at all. I'm always just oh, I'm terrified. I find the side that I've never hit airspace in any of the X Alps, and a lot of people do. But the the I use Fly Sky High because I'm yeah. an Apple. Yeah. But the the side view is a miracle. Yeah. You know where you can see it. Yeah. Then it's no problem. Yeah, but, that, but that's really that. and that's what they did really nice with Pixie Track yeah. with the side view, and you know, okay, if I just I can just guide uh, under and so. That's pretty, pretty nice. And yeah, but I know what you're talking about because during the last six ups, I was like calling Aaron on the phone. Hey, you need to go right because there's airspace just in front of you. <laughs> yeah, he had some dicey. That one by three meters, you know, yeah. it was either. And then the second one when he hit where it was basically, okay, I go in the trees or I hit the airspace. Was... Yeah, but actually that was, you couldn't say it's my fault because actually the, the airspace isn't there. 
because like yeah. from the legal side this airspace can't that go was, into the mountain that was tough and so it was me telling him you were right as long as you're staying close to the mountain and when you're lower than 600 and we've all flown underneath that airspace i've flown that locarno airspace so many times like yeah. that you just stay 50 meters off the deck and then you squared under it and that's yeah. how it works that, yeah and that that's, was really that's, frustrating yeah that's how it is and the problem was that i I knew it because I'm like instructor and I'm working a lot with airspaces and I didn't even think about that they just made an, a TMA running straight into the mountain because that's illegal. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so, it's incredibly frustrating. And yeah, so when, when Aaron was like on the phone saying, yeah, Ellie, I hit the airspace, I was like, no way, how can you? You stayed in the mountain. And so I was like, all right, check, uh, send me the track log, I'll take a look at it. And so... Uh, I checked the track log and he was really like swooping through the trees like, wow. <laughs> as low as kind of possible. And I was like, okay, but you're within these 300 meters above ground, so no problem. And I told to um, the race director and he was like, yeah, that's a good argument. And so I thought, or we thought, okay, then it's fine. It's, it's fine. And so the next day we got the penalty. <laughs> so that oh, was really be, frustrating. That'd be heartbreaking. Uh, well, the the you supported him in 2017, which he you know he had the bad the bad wheel and uh, you know had, was having a great race, but had to had to bail out. I remember hiking up with you guys. It was a day two after the first terrible day with all the rain, and then day two. Yeah, uh, on Hochis, I think. Yeah, up, and yeah. he was barely moving. Yeah, know. he was he was like a kind of crutches more yeah. or less so i was actually at that time in simon's team but there were oh. like so many people going up with simon so i was like is it all right if i just go with Aaron? they were like okay just go ah. and that's how oh, i, I ended up uh, ah, okay. <laughs> ended up going up with Aaron. and at that time i was not really fit so it was really kind of frustrating because he was like jumping more or less on one leg yeah. and he was still faster than me <laughs> <laughs> Note to self, get get more fit for the yeah. next one. <laughs> so that's wow, where I recognize. He's a beast uphill. Ah, uh, he is. The steeper, the faster he gets. So. Yeah, it's he's really a gazelle yeah. going up hills. It's remarkable. Um, so the the what are your kind of main things you can share with the audience about being a supporter after doing those two? I, I imagine one would be that you must feel much more prepared going in as an athlete, just knowing how that world works. Because as we know, doing the race, it's so critical. The, uh, the team is incredibly uh, critical and there's, they're kind of behind the scenes, but they're doing a lot of the work, uh, a lot of the really exhausting work, uh, at least in my experience. And so, but for me, it's, I don't really see what they do that much. So I know they're doing a lot because I land and boom, this is where you're going next. And I don't have to make any decisions. Uh, but what, what was your role? How did it evolve over the two different uh, campaigns? And what, what were the, give us some highlights in low time, you know, what are the, what are the really great things about it? And what are the hard things about it? Yeah. So as you said, like the supporters are the, men or girls behind the scenes you ne you never see but you really shouldn't underestimate the work they're doing because it's one thing that like everything is prepared when the athletes is back on the ground like um dry shoes and new clothes and something to eat something to drink uh, a place to sleep where you can stay without being pushed away by the police in the night but what i mostly did for Aaron, i was like the 
navigation guy and yeah. I did all the weather checks and like searching for takeoffs and planning all the routes and like optimizing okay it's better to go up there fly there um top land again hike up um again so he more or less got like as soon as he landed he had uh, he was working with the Suntu watch yeah. and I just had the app on my phone so I uploaded the track on, on my phone and he just had it to sync just it and he had it on uh, on the watch like instant yeah so it was so you were planning the next launch you would look at the weather and the, yeah, the wind and the aspect and okay it's going to take him an hour and a half so we want to be yeah. west facing whatever in the afternoon and, and, and you'd find all that yeah, you'd, you'd exactly. Exactly, okay. and I also made like a plan for the day with uh, like flying wise. So where are the good thermos, which route we're going to take, or what he's going to take, and like more or less, I would say the brain behind, so that he just can focus on flying and and running. Yeah, and more or less, I'm doing the decisions, and so that was actually one of the best moments in 2019. Yeah, when. He was just landing and I sounded like, okay, that's your next track, just go. And he started, he just went. Uh, and like, after, I don't know, 45 minutes, he called me and I was like, everything's all right? Yeah, yeah, I just understood why I'm going there. It's a super nice plan. <laughs> 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 so that was one of my highlights uh, during the race because it just, it just did it. He didn't even think about it. And then after one hour, he realized why he was doing what he was just doing. Right. So uh, that's... Cool. it must be really rewarding to, you know, you you must be under a lot of stress yeah. and, you know, a lot of pressure and to put him in the right spot at the right time, that kind of thing. And when it works, it must be a thing of beauty, you know, like, yeah. yeah, he's crushing, you know, I'm sure there's a lot. I mean, I, I distinctly remember, you know, the there there have been many times in our campaigns where we're just having one, and the, and it's so fun. And then, you know, the last race we had the worst start ever, and mm -hmm. nothing was going right for the first three days. And you start to feel, at least for me, I started feeling not bad for myself, but bad for the team, you know, because mm -hmm. it wasn't their fault. They weren't making bad decisions. It was just I wasn't putting it together, and uh, and it was just oh, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. When it just doesn't go right, but it doesn't go right for everybody at some point. <laughs> yeah. Sooner or later, you're going to make mistakes, and that's what you. If you have a good team, I think that's what you can minimize quite a bit. Yeah. Um, if like the the team works and it's that's like a bunch of individuals put together under um, yeah, small space in the camper for two three weeks uh, under pressure. So you have to find people who who stand it because. It's one thing to be out having fun together, but if you have to work together and yeah, as you said, there are times where nothing's working out. So everyone is getting grumpy and you have like a cowed and the other one is like, needs everything to be ordered like properly. So it's yeah. kind of, you have to take care of whom you're going to take in the team. So talk about that. How do you, how do you have your team put together already? More or less, yes. And yeah. how did you decide? How did that pan out? Um, actually, like my main supporter, uh, Nadine, she's like uh, a really good friend of mine and we kind of tick the same way. Okay. So we don't need to talk much. We know what the other uh, is thinking about. Yeah. So that's... And she's a pilot or not a pilot? Yeah, yeah okay. she, she's a pilot. She did a couple of hike and fly races uh, in Austria. And yeah, it's just always super lot of fun for her. Um, so will she be charged with what you were doing for Aaron? Or will you will you do yeah. that on your own? Because no, so I I it. can't. Like yeah. during the race, I I wanna 
think as less as possible because I think the more tired you get, the worse the the decisions are you're taking. So I want to have someone taking this part for me. So it's mostly going to be Nadine and probably also Julian from um, his. I'm still working on it, <laughs> but he's uh, he said he's may might help me from home, like okay. doing the navigation. Julian words. Um, not during the the exams. Ah, yeah. Yeah, um, doing like the navigation stuff and checking the weather and stuff from yeah. home. So that would be pretty nice. But let's see how it works out. So we're going to test it in at Easter. Yeah. We do like a four days exalps simulation kind of thing and and he'll feed you the weather and that kind of thing yeah. and the route yeah. and all. oh yeah. interesting but do it from home yeah okay in the in the race too he wouldn't be yeah. with you yeah ah, okay all now right. that's the plan for now but let's see how it works out so will it just be you and nadine as a team uh no it's going to be another um girl verena she's like osteopath and a really good friend of nadine so actually um i don't know her that well yet but she's Nadine said she is really nice, and actually the supporters are the ones spending time with, with each other. I'm somewhere anyway. Yeah, so, that's true. And so that was, they have to get along. They have to get <laughs> have to get along, and that's what I asked Nadine that she picks a, um, someone she want to have in the team, so it it works well. Yeah. And the other one is uh, I worked with him together on Aaron's team uh, before. Uh, Daniele um, is coming as well. And Marius, he's going to be like the supporter of the supporters, like taking care that they have everything they need. Mm. And how did you decide this year? Okay, now I want to do it. What was the what was the kind of was there a stepping stone that you wanted to reach when you were when you were supporting Aaron? Were, were you you know in the 2017 race were you starting to think about it, or not till the 2019 race? And were you, how how did you decide? Okay, I've cleared whatever hurdles there are to I think I'm ready I think I can do this uh, I started thinking about competing in already in 2017 like being there on the road and saying like hey that's actually what I want to do I want to hike I want to race I want to want to fly and want to push my limits and then when Aaron asked me in 2018 I was kind of like uh, really proud of myself that I got asked to be Aaron's supporter and so that was pretty nice for 2019 and after 2019 like during the race I was like okay in 2021 I'm going to sign up and then we like hiked the night uh, the last night on 2019 uh, edition up to Peil and on this hike Aaron asked me if I'm going to do it again in 2021 and I was like of course I will do it yeah. and then afterwards I was like I had other plans, but and now I said yes, so I'm going to do it again. <laughs> As a supporter. As a supporter. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so that's how I ended up doing it again in 2021. Okay. And after 2021, we decided that um, we're not going to do it again together. Yeah. So that was for me. So, all right, now it's my time. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And tell me your age. I'm 27. 27. So you started flying 14, uh, got more into it when you got your license. And then in 2016, you started competing. Yeah. Okay. So you've been at it 10 plus years. Yeah. 12 years. Um, what's the most, what's the one thing about the race that makes you the most nervous right now? Wind. Wind. Yeah. Um, because I'm a very lightweight person. And that's the thing I'm most worried about, that um, because I'm always on the weight when I'm flying uh, on this uh, hiking fly stuff. Yeah. And if it gets windy, it's just the worst you can do, being too light on your glider and not enough speed. And 
and it can get windy. You've been to Wallis, so yeah, can <laughs> and, get very windy. Yeah, so that's the thing I'm most afraid of. Okay. Um, but let's see. I'm uh, talking with Nibug, and we're trying to find a solution for that problem. Yeah. So let's the see. Climber's awful nice. Ah, uh, he is, is, but it's an amazing wind. I I'm have the climber too now. Yeah. But it's yeah, the weight range is sixty to seventy eight, and with the hike and fly equipment, I'm at sixty two. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> you are tiny. Yeah, uh, yeah. that's tough. Uh, yeah, just a little so, leaf in the wind. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, my supporters have to be fit because probably they're going to have to carry some ballast for me yeah. during the race. So that's but actually that's uh pro and contra there as well because oh yeah, it's better to fly even heavier, but during exhibits you sometimes have to land the places you but I don't have any ballast at all. Yeah. So. And a lot of the a lot of the real moves are made on the really light days. Yeah. You know, and that's so it can kind of work out in your favor that you can sure. you can load up when you need it when it's gnarly and on, but when it's when it's just those little milky stuff in the morning when you're just trying to get an extra couple k, it'd yeah. be nice to just be light and go. Yeah. So yeah, well we'll see. I know Gaspard was way underweight on his one of his campaigns and. I remember him being really nervous about it, and in some ways it didn't work so well, but in other ways it really did. So in the end, yeah. it was kind of, eh, it's all right. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> but nothing else, not results, or what, what, are your, what are your goals for the race? I want to be able to come home and say that I did a good race. Yeah, and you just not, gave it your all. Yeah, and not to hurt myself, and I want to still kind of be friends with my supporters yeah. so that we have a good race uh, all together. Yeah. Of course, it's it's a race. I'm a competition uh, person, so I also wouldn't fly in the super final. <laughs> so, of course, I'm going to do my best, but it, the focus isn't on the wrestle. It's more about my own personal goal to do a good race and be every day at night to be able to say, okay, today I did my best and I did the best out of the day. This is fresh in my mind because I just talked to Aaron last night with the podcast. But you know, some of his stories were one of the one of the most impactful nights of my life was being in Monaco at the end of the 2015 race, and we were all sitting around Paul and Aaron and Gaspard and I think Antoine was there, um, Ferdy, and it just was this round robin of near death experiences. Yeah. You know, Andra almost died, his supporter uh, flying with him uh, kind of near the end. And uh, just all of us had, you know, we were all on cloud nine, we were in Monaco and it was amazing. And, but then hearing all this was a real kind of, I went to bed that night thinking, well, we are really insane people. Um, and you saw it firsthand in 2017, the weather was pretty wild. And then uh, 2019 was lovely. There was not much risk there, but, uh, and then 2021 was awful, awful um, and really scary. Does, I've heard you're a very aggressive pilot and you're, you don't, it doesn't seem to bother you too much, but it's, how much does that weigh on you? For sure. It's something on my mind because that was after 2021 race with Aaron, I was like, kind of healed from doing X-Ops because during that race, I don't know if Aaron told you, but it was like 13 times he yeah. almost killed he himself. last night, yeah. And I, I, I properly wrecked, I mean, I properly crashed seven times. Wow. You know, I mean, not, they were all, a, 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 a two of them were 
they could have gone, I could have been dead. Two, two of them were really scary crashes. And the other ones were just stupid, you know, fly on the wall, kind of blown, you know, just funny. But I, I'm like a wombat. I can hit really hard. I'm okay. But, it, you know, the Alps is soft grass. And, if, you know, if it had been pavement, it would have been something different. But two of them were properly just, what are you doing? It's crazy. No, that was for sure the, the hardest thing for me or being a supporter because like you're down there and you know okay you send him up there and of course you say okay you have to take the decision if you take off or not but then you're sitting down there in the car and you know okay now he's in the air and it's probably not safe anymore and so even after the race i woke up like in the middle of the night dreaming of thunderstorms coming and i'm not able to reach aaron and so like nightmares um mm. because it was really like a lot of tension um, how do you guys communicate is it just WhatsApp or something? Um, WhatsApp or um, on the phone directly. Yeah. Okay, um, just call him. Just call him. And I think I'll go with Zello. It's like a... Yeah, a, Zello's great. Zello is that's great. A, that's what we use. Yeah. And <clears throat> I think that works pretty well because you, you don't want to take another radio and another stuff you have to charge. And yeah. It's just pain in the ass. So. And actually, each year the mobile connection is getting better and better. So... And in case I'm really kind of in a in a hole, I can do like offline navigation. I think I'll I'll manage that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> the the uh, do, do you? I mean, I imagine because you were a sport. I didn't know it was three. So it was Simon and Aaron the first year, and then and then Aaron for two. At, at this point, you know, I'm rewinding my own clock, to, you know, getting ready for the 2015 race on my own. I had done no other hike and fly races, and so I was really feeling very overwhelmed about December, about now. Are you, are you, are you pretty calm about it? I think I'm kind of calm about it because I've seen it with Aaron like inside out. Yeah. Um, so I pretty know exactly what's going to happen in the race yeah. and like all the preparation, it's, it doesn't change so much being a supporter or an athlete for me because I did a lot of work with Aaron in the preparation time as well. Yeah. And so I kind of have like my schemes. Okay, I need the camper. I need the maps. I need the which apps I need on the phone, uh, like the watch, what kind of equipment I need. It's like kind of known stuff, yeah. which can be good, but you also have to take care. You don't forget something because it's so natural. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Have you done a lot of other hike and fly racing? Zero. Zero? Yeah. Really? Like co competing myself, I, I did not because I signed up for a couple of them, but then Corona kicked in and then it was just bad timing because like when I was on X-Ops, it was on X-Ops and then um, my focus was on competitions, like normal comp flying. And yeah, sometimes in summer I have to work as a paragliding instructor as well. So yeah. <laughs> that really doesn't go so well with competitions. Right. Because yeah. when it's good weather, you should be working. <laughs> so, but yeah, so as an athlete, I did, did not. But yeah, I was supporting enough. <laughs> it, do you think, uh, is there any... Let me try to ask this tactfully, but I'm not even sure exactly what I'm trying to say. But the, it is, is there any different pressure on you because you're female and it's been, you know, there, there hasn't been a history of many females in the race, you know, there, there more lately and it's, people are thrilled with it, but it's, um, do you think there's any, do you put any more pressure on because you're female or do you think there is any other outside pressure? Um, I think there's 
the media and like social uh, stuff, they're more interested in you when you're a girl mm. um, because it's like kind of fancy outsider or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the more pressure you have as a girl. And yeah, to be honest, as a girl, you are kind of disadvantaged uh, physically. That's you have to be honest with that one. Yeah. You can train as much as you want. You, I, I'll never be able to keep up with Aaron, uh, for example. Um, Not many people can. <laughs> no, uh, actually, good point. <laughs> Neither can so, I. It doesn't matter how much I train. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I can keep up with a couple of guys, um, yeah. but there will always be someone stronger. And I think it's important that you don't pressure yourself too much because I think that's can get dangerous mm. if you try to do more than you're capable of and so yeah maybe there's more pressure on the girls because everyone is looking at us and actually there are a lot of people like cheering for us but there are also some voices why don't you do that you're a girl you won't be able to finish it anyway really yeah and so people have said that or yeah, you feel that is both it, really both and wow. Then it's, I'm kind of the person, so if you tell me it's not going to be possible, I'll show you that I'll do it. Nice. <laughs> I like it. I like it. I'll show so, you. Uh, and so that kind of motivates me to kind of show people that they're wrong. Um, mm. But yeah, I'm, I'm curious how, how it will be because I have the feeling that girls are more social, even with sharing, even... Like now before the race, like with Celine, we're just talking and uh, that's super nice. And it's, I think for girls, easier to, to share because we are not so, um, yeah, competitive may, maybe. Yeah. Or, huh. um, we can cheer more for the others. Yeah. Uh, even now here on, on competition, it's like I can share so much with so many different people. And when I talk to other guys, they're like, they never talk to me about kind of, I don't know, um, tactical stuff or whatever and for me it's just natural to share talk. everything yeah. interesting yeah. <laughs> oh, I had never thought about that because it, it is a world of you know what is it 90 something to less than 10 the the, the percentage is incredible in yeah. this sport and it's uh, it's I'm, I've also often been fascinated with just the the emotional world that you that females must have to deal with in this sport when it just comes to that it's just it's just a numbers thing you know it must be interesting for students to show up and have a female instructor in a sport that's just so dominated by men yeah but it's actually pretty funny because um our school we have mostly female instructors wow yeah so it's like um for example it's like Malena, anna me johanna karen um we are just girls teaching there so it's pretty funny when our students go somewhere else then and they're like there are no girls anywhere <laughs> 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 and because they're so used to here that there are a lot of girls in our, in our schools and uh, so that's actually pretty nice <laughs> it's pretty how many females are in this one it's is there five uh five who are well, like yeah, permanently yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I listened. Anyway. So maybe four? Four, yeah. It's it's Kinga, Celine, uh, Lauri, and me. Which is great. I I had a really uh, interesting, in some ways, scary experience with Lori and Fish. Uh, she and I and, and Ogie were battling it out to not get eliminated. 
and she sent me this beautiful text. I was coming off the Grimsel that morning. I had taken a completely different route after uh, getting to Fish, and it was that really strong North Fern day that Kriegel went forever, and uh, I couldn't get back into the Rhine, so I ended up landing down by and walking all the way up the Grimsel the wrong way, and so I'd made a bad move, and but I couldn't do anything. The wind was so strong, I couldn't get north that day, or sorry, south that day at all, and but that was the day or it was two days after Lori had had her incident in Lermoos and uh, she sent me a text and she said, you, it's, you don't have to race anymore. I'm going to stop. And, uh, I mean, keep racing, but you don't yeah. have to worry about the elimination. I'm going to stop. And, uh, thank you. Cause I was really stressed about it. And, and I caught up with her in Fish, uh, and I gave her this big hug and she had this look on her face that I'll never forget. It was just destroyed. You know, she was, I mean, you could tell there was a lot of relief because she was done, but she was also just, uh, you know, whatever happened in Laramus must have been terrifying. I I was actually uh, kind of surprised when I saw her on the list. I was too. I I wasn't expecting that after, like, being in the race and uh, and seeing her, like, so... Tough girl to tough come girl. back. Yeah, yeah tough sure. girl. I mean, it's it's so it's fascinating that it it everything depends on the weather. You know, the yeah. in in twenty fifteen, we had so much wind and so many accidents and so many retirements and and uh, and but it wasn't terrible weather. It was just windy. It was just a yeah. lot of wind. And then in twenty nineteen, you could launch anywhere. It yeah. just didn't matter. I mean, it was still hard weather. We had that awful heat wave at the end like Aaron said it was a sauna you know yeah. it was miserable but it wasn't dangerous yep. you know you could launch anywhere so I'm, wind wind is your enemy I think so yeah yeah um will you try to do some hike and fly racing before the little ones before the this race uh no I'll do some uh, trade run competitions okay uh yeah are you a runner I hate running but I like hiking okay <laughs> <laughs> But that's something you can train. I I was told. So. Yes, yes. And you said you like ski touring. Yeah, I think that's a perfect training yeah, tool, yeah, it is. and you're in a good spot to do yeah. it. Let's talk about instructing. So you've been instructor now for how long? Uh, I started in 2014. Oh, a long time. Yeah. Um, for people listening that are you know inspired to maybe someday be an ex Alps pilot or just to be a good pilot or to come to a super final that kind of thing. What would you tell them as an instructor? What would what would be the things to focus on, or things that you've seen that you know the couple of mistakes that people should avoid? Uh, I think that it's important that people um, stick to themselves and that they um, stay in their own learning zone. That it's it's good to not always just stay at their comfort zone. If you always just stay on the same mountain tumbling for three hours, you won't learn anything. Mm. So you have to to go a step ahead. But I think it's important that people don't do two steps at once, like that mm. they get uh, afraid, that they get fear, because it's just too much for them. So one step after the other, and always uh, stay curious and trying new things and, and other stuff. And it's not only about going for cross-country flying, but it's also going to SOA, doing some maneuvers and just get more confident wherever the wing is mm. because that makes you um, 
more uh, calm in the air when it's getting bumpy because you know you have it under control mm. and so you you just expand your comfort zone and so you get better and better and i think one of the most important things is to talk to people mm. because you can learn so much from other pilots or uh, friends or uh, whatever and if you ask kindly, nicely, there's no one saying, no, I won't tell you that. No, not in this <laughs> sport. This, no, this it, doesn't exist. No, it doesn't and exist. And I think that's really important just to, to share and to talk and about good things and also about bad things because everyone had these one call-ups where you were shaking when you landed, but it helps if you talk about it, if you analyze what was going on and also think about how you could have done it better or how you will do it better the next time mm. so that's for me i'm doing it personally all the time when i okay i had a huge collapse what could i have done better okay not eating a bar in the middle of a five meters terminal okay that's something i can improve <laughs> that one seems pretty easy check uh, yeah. that box <laughs> but i needed to try it twice to really understand yes. it's not a good idea yeah. <laughs> Okay, it didn't work out once. Let me try it again. Yeah. You know, it goes. Has, has um, instructing, I've always thought that, I've always really stayed away from making paragliding my job in a sense. I mean, I guess the podcast is a job, but, you know, tandems are instructing because I'm always afraid that it would zap me of a little bit of the passion for it when it make, becomes my work. Has that ever been an issue for you? I was thinking about that a lot, actually, because I was thinking the same, like, my initial plan was, okay, I'm doing, like, the university, doing my master's, and then I'm going to work as a geometer or a civil engineer and just work for fun in the flight school for some uh, days uh, or weeks in the year. But then I kind of worked more and more in the flight school and I'm not only teaching, I'm also doing all the administrative uh, stuff and working in the shop and also doing like the human resources and uh, all these organizational stuff. And I realized that I really like it. Mm. Also seeing the stuff in behind, that it's not just the one guy standing out there with the radio telling you what to do, but all this stuff you need to have before and to make plans, okay, how to get better, how to teach better, how um, to improve the skills of your students, but also of your teachers, because of course you're doing your instructor license and you have to like do this every two years, you have to do some, some courses to, to kind of uh, hold your license, but I think that's often not enough. You really have to keep on working on yourself that you stay up to date because the gliders are changing, the the methods of teaching are changing and that's something really interesting for me to try to have a good quality in our school. Will Gad told me something one time that's really stuck with me over the years that he, you know, famous ice climber and famous pilot and just an incredible athlete. But he he told me that the when he sees people coming to this sport from other flow sports, so free riding and skateboarding and surfing, you know, he doesn't worry about them too much. But when you come from non really flow sports, climbing or, uh, you know, when you're not, when you're not dealing with a lot of gravity, I guess climbing, you are dealing with gravity, but anyway, flow sports versus non flow sports that he, he worries more about them as an instructor. Do you, do you have people come? It strikes me that paragliding is attractive especially in the alps when you see it everywhere that people 
must come to your school who don't really have any athletic background and or any experience with flow sports you know they might be more academics and just want to go flying is it do you have people come that just really shouldn't be in the sport and do you does that do they just naturally go away from it or can you help steer that ship um most of the time they find out by themselves in the mm. first few days that it's not really their sport it's but pretty quick like that normally yes oh. because that's the good thing about paragliding and uh, you have at first on this training hill you have to walk up on your own and that's where where you're kind of selecting yeah. <laughs> 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 no but actually it's maybe once a year there's someone you have to tell maybe it's better you don't go on with the sport but that's always pretty pretty difficult because i personally think that paragliding is getting safer and safer mm. and that in the right environment i think you can do it pretty safe but there are some people who shouldn't go flying on their own because they have no clue about the weather they don't know where to go they just don't, don't know anything it. but i think that's good that there are like flight schools offering like even like these trips going i don't know italy um or in our place where we have just like two instructors even with uh, pilots having the license but they're only flying once a year mm. so you can't expect them to to be like really aware of uh, all the situation so i think it's good that there are like these kind of scenarios where they can Go flying, have fun, but in a safe environment where someone tells them, okay, you can fly now, now you wait. Mm. <laughs> and so, there, it's, I think, always difficult because it's paragliding isn't like biking. If you don't do it for five years, you really have to start again from the beginning mm. and you have to do it on a regular basis to be safe. That's, mm. for me, for me personally, what I think. So... Yeah, when people say, okay, I'm starting paragliding like the first one, two years, yeah, I'm mostly really, really motivated. But then often there comes this kind of, uh, no, maybe I'll do something with my girlfriend or I've got kids or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then you realize that they're flying less and less. And that's the point where I think it's um, become dangerous because they think, okay, I'm a pilot, I have a license, I, I know what to do. But if you don't keep on uh, yeah, you gotta doing keep the it, sharp. it's... How do you feel about competitions with your students? Do you encourage them to? Or how do you feel about competitions in general? I think a competition is a perfect playground to learn uh, really, really fast uh, a lot of stuff. But for sure, you have to be able to tumble at first <laughs> before <laughs> you can go to a competition because it has to be automatic that you find the tumble. And so you have the capacity to check what the others are doing and see the others in the tumble. And because that's what we are doing here. We are not concentrating on our instrument versus the best climb. We are concentrating, okay, where are the others? And trying not to bump into them and see them, okay, I don't know. This orange light over there has a better lift, so I'm going there. But if you're still focused on, okay, which break do I need to Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's been a little overwhelming. Yeah, so that's what I meant with one step uh, uh, okay. after each other. Because yeah. if you have, like... A pilot who did like his first two hours flight, he's not ready for doing a competition. But on the competitions, you learn incredibly fast because you have so many people you can watch. You can see, okay, they're leaving at 2,500, whatever. 
they're reaching on the other side. Okay, how high can I go? How much altitude do I need? How much speed uh, mm -hmm. I use? And that was for me like, oh my God, I can use so much speed and it's so much fun. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> and, the, and the wing just hardens up. Yeah. yeah I've never, I've never used so much full bar ever. Uh, I mean, I, I've done a lot of, not a lot, but I've done you know quite a few World Cups and high-level comps in the last few years and you use a lot of bar, but this one was phenomenal. Yeah. We were using a lot of bar. Yeah. <laughs> full bar. There was never any three quarters no. bar. It was no, full it was bar full. or your thermaling. That's it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. And then we were back at communication because if you have like 100 pilots or 50 pilots on the smaller competitions, there are so many sources of information. Mm. And because that's really cool about paragliding because you've never stopped learning. And you can be like like Honoré or uh, Baptiste or Philip um, being on the podium here. They are still like trying to improve themselves. Oh, yeah. Still, all the time. They all still the don't time. have it totally figured out. Yeah, they never and, they never will. Nobody ever will. And that's maybe the most fascinating thing for me in in the sport. But yeah, competitions. I think it's really good for everyone to do some competitions um, because. Yeah, the whole environment and getting faster, being like really efficient in the turmoil. If you're always alone, you always think that you're good um, mm. because you don't see anyone <laughs> yeah, else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm crushing you, it. Yeah, if you're the only one, you always be the first. So, <laughs> yeah, right. um, but there you have get like a mirror and all right, it's very eye opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's always funny if like cross country pilots come to the first competition and they think like, yeah, yeah, I'm. Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm the local hero at home. Uh -huh. Yes. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> yes. Enjoy eating that dirt day yeah. after day, <laughs> and it still happens after all these years. It's yeah. amazing. Um, so my last article, I, I do this column every other month for Cross Country Magazine, and I kind of wrote a letter to the rookies. I don't know if you saw that, but uh, you're not really a rookie in my mind because you've done the supporter role now. Um, but what would you say? You rattled off a whole bunch of things when we were last time about the, you know the technology and the maps and the van and the charging and the equipment and all that. But you've got a microphone here, and some of the rookies will no doubt listen to this show what would you tell them in terms of uh you know little checklist of things that are you know these things are really important be, to be thinking about now in december you know you've got six months uh, i think it's pretty good if you have like your flying equipment ready pretty mm -hmm. soon that you have like glider harness the whole setup you use at the race mm -hmm. um as soon as possible so you feel like 100% comfortable with it mm. and you know it inside out. Mm. And the more you, you fly, the more you use it, the better. And it's the same with all the navigational aids you're using. You have to do it before. You have to train it. Mm. Even like planning a route or um, like bombing out somewhere and somehow figure out to how to go home. Nothing will go as planned. Never. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that you have to, you just have to do before. Yeah. And it doesn't matter if you, um, if your supporter is at the other end of the world, that's, it doesn't matter if he's in the car 10 Ks away from you or 100 Ks away from you. It's the same because you have to communicate on, on the phone or um, via internet and sending routes or whatever. And that's really important that 
both sides know, like the supporter and the athlete, mm-hmm. what the other one needs and what he wants and how to do it. Mm. And you said simulation too. I think that was really, really key for us. We always did, you know, a two-day simulation in January, a three-day in February, and we added them up. They were mostly physical simulations, so they were, you know, Ben would try to model the output of the race, you know, and if it wasn't flyable, it was just, okay, we'll try to do this amount of vertical and this amount of road walking and this amount in the pool. It didn't have to be what we were doing, you know, but just the, the, the basically the, the steps that you're, yeah. you're imagining you're doing. And then, you know, the food, the getting up at the, the, the 4.30, going to bed at 11, the whole thing. Um, for me, it's always, always a ton of mobility. Uh, but we, we, we then learned that the, really important thing too was to you know he would give me the route like he would in the race he he lives three states away you know like you said you could totally do that but you know i think for me the my real achilles heel is like aaron's is the tech stuff so my team's really good at it and they've learned that okay gavin can only process this and here's the route that's it and i know how to load it (laughs) and i know how to follow an arrow, arrow and it all works you know but yeah, so that's really good advice. Other stuff? What about body maintenance, foot maintenance, that kind of thing? Uh, I have like a nutrition expert I'm working together with. Okay. Um, so we kind of changed uh, my whole nutrition system, uh, which didn't work out here in Mexico, to be honest. Because, like, <laughs> you only eat meat here. Just tacos. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Damn good tacos. Damn good tacos. Mm. No, but even here, I lost two kilos again so mm. i have to work it out are you really trying to stay as I, heavy as you can yeah 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 um, if i can gain a little weight it would be good because anyway during the race you will lose it yeah uh, and you will need some uh spare fat <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to burn do. it yes. and uh no but i'm not planning on getting fat i planning on getting stronger but what what is there a kind of nutritional you know are you kind of going keto or what 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 is the what is the nutritional program uh it's more or less i have like a plan of how many calories i I should eat and how much percentage it should be proteins and minerals and uh, carbohydrates and um yeah all, all this stuff and like with more or less three main meals and two snacks in between so mm. I, basically at home i feel like i'm eating all day long <laughs> 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 um so yeah that's that's about uh, nutrition and that's coming back to simulation like our plan is to do like four days like as if it would be the race like yeah. with the same nutrition the like really we even rent the camper and the, like the same setup all the people in the van and we just pick part of the route and say okay we're going to do that no matter oh, what the cool. weather is yeah and because that's how it will be during the race and if it's shitty weather it's shitty weather we have to deal with it and if it's good flyable weather then great yeah. <laughs> but that's what we want to do over easter you you must you know having been the sport you you know the area quite well but what do you think about kriegel's whole thing that you know i was fascinated i was sitting next to him at one of the media events in 2015 before the race and i and i'd been over there for two months scouting and because i i'm not from the alps and i felt like i really needed to and he said oh yeah i don't i don't scout anything and i thought really you know I, i know you live here but you don't go scout other parts of the course and he said because if i go in may and so scout different. it. It's so different. It does has no relevance, and I don't want to have any preconceptions. And the other big one was in 2017. 
he asked 10 of us, you know, we'd all scouted Garda and he asked 10 people, how do you fly to Garda? And we all said, you can't, it's impossible. You mm -hmm. know, there's too much wind. There's, yeah. The wind comes up the lake and you're not gonna be able to do it. And he did. Yeah. Because he did, and he just said, well, I don't want to hear that. And so, mm -hmm. and he figured it out. I think he and Gaspar were the only two that flew in there. Yeah. So what do you think about that? I'm kind of doing the same. I'm not planning to scout any anything because once I've seen You're just going quite to do a sections bit, of the race for the simulation. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. This yeah. section we will do. But as Krieger said, the problem is you, if you think, okay, I did the simulation there, I went on this takeoff, you're kind of spoiled and yeah. you tend to do the same thing even if the weather situation is completely different. Yeah. And so you're, I think, not so open minded. Yeah. Um, that's my, my thing. What I really do a lot is like, uh, beforehand, like with, um, Google Earth, like checking out different, different options and, uh, going through different, uh, uh, ways how to do it. Okay. Where's the pass? If well, could we do it hiking wise or not? Because that's something I learned during the races. You always need to have a backup plan. Mm -hmm. If anything goes wrong, you need to be somewhere where you flexible yeah, yeah where you can can do something like especially when you're crossing the main ridge uh like i don't know if you checked Aaron's routes but it was always somewhere where there would have been a path in yeah. case he would have bombed he could have just walked on the sure. other side yeah because that's the worst thing which could happen that you're on one side and then you have to do a real All big detour um so that's something i learned in the races yeah. um that this is just important because you never know. And what I also learned is just stick to the to the straight line. Yeah. <laughs> the long, big detours, is, it's not really worth it. It's better to just go straight, hike a bit and go straight again hmm. than to do like a big detour because it normally takes so much longer. So something that I have really struggled with, especially after 2015, is 2015 I didn't really know what I was getting into and I just had fun and I had the right I ended up having the right headspace for because it, it was really windy yeah. and I like it when it's rough I tend to do better when it's rough um, and then doing well you know I got the Monaco and it went way better than we expected you know then I went into the future races with more okay I'm gonna do this well and which was the opposite of what I think my mind needed to cling on to and so I, I got more I don't know, tense, stressed, whatever. I had expectations rather than none other than just having fun. And one of the things that became, and I trained this every year. I always trained to not think when I was in training, I was always training to fly the day, not the course line, you know, mm -hmm. to just do what we do as XC pilots. But then in the race, I always felt like my, my vision would narrow as the days mm -hmm. went on because you're, the obvious move is not on course line. It's over here. That's going to work as an XC pilot. That's totally what I would do. But if I blow that, that's going to add 20 K on the ground mm -hmm. and it starts to just compress. And, and I, I would, at, at times I would still pull it off, but at many times I would become a less pilot, mm -hmm. you know, and I would be more pessimistic than I would typically be because I had this worry of, but do you, do you think about that or are you training that in any kind of way or i i plan to do it like on competitions mm -hmm. that i set myself like a task and like even here we have like the 60 case of 
way we could choose. Yeah. And that's how I want to do in the X apps to still have some options, but kind of have like an arrow to follow. This is the mission. <laughs> this is the mission yeah. there I want to go. Because even here, you saw there are so many ways you can do it. And normally, the fastest is the more straight you can go, uh, the better. And of course, if it's like just cheddar and shitty, like it was in yesterday's task, like all the the right side looked like really shitty to me, so I stayed on the on the left, going closer to the takeoff, um, back up. So worked fine. Um, so for sure, you need to have this open-minded. But like Simon, for example, he you shouldn't say tell him any route because that's completely fucking him up in the, uh, in the head interesting yeah and so for me that's pretty interesting to see like simon doing um, the best thing is he doesn't know anything about the route he just figures his own way and aaron like okay you're going from this terminal to this terminal to this terminal to this terminal interesting. And, yeah so it's completely opposite mm. the way way to fly and so I think I'm somewhere in the middle between those. <laughs> it must be. It must have been interesting uh, supporting Simon because he he really he came onto the scene. Uh, I mean, at least from my perspective, people didn't know who he was, and man, he's gifted at that race. He's just done so well every year. He's really, and he just he's always kind of chipper and happy. And he yeah, he's the like nicest it. person I know in the race. Yeah, so. he's a very and nice he's guy. And he's so friendly with his supporters. Yeah, uh, he can't be mad on anyone. <laughs> wow, that's that's a yeah. nice characteristic. So before this will be the last question. Before every X Alps that I've been a part of, in the race week, you know, leading up to the prologue and the race, the talk of the camp is always, "This is the year Kriegel's going down. This is the year Kriegel's going down." And I always go, "Yeah, no chance of that." And I still think there's no chance of that. But if you, I mean, obviously everyone can be beat including Kriegel uh, I don't know how but uh you know he's one eight he's going his ninth to me he's stronger than he's ever been um but do you think he can get taken down and if so by whom as you said there's always something can go wrong in Kriegel's race or someone else's race so you'll never know there's no guarantee but I think there are a couple of strong people in the race who could keep up with him. I don't know if it's going to be Maxime again chasing him, or if Aaron is doing a great race, or Simon, or I don't know, maybe one of the rookies. We will see. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's Ixops is for me mostly about decision making, and Kriegel is just flipping impressive uh, yeah. on doing the right move at the right time. Yeah. And as long as we are not able to be on this level, it will be hard catching him. Yes, I, I agree. I, I, was, I was always the one in the camp going, yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> he's impressive. And he's getting so much better. Yeah, I mean, the, the thing for me, at my age, I just turned 50. For me, the last couple races were, I don't have a chance to stay with these younger. They're just getting better and better and better. But so is Kriegel, you know. Yeah. And he and he just turned forty, I think. So I mean, he is getting older, of course, as we all are. But oh, he's impressive. Yeah, it's been really fun to watch him. Just this this domination is is incredible. Yeah, he's always like this one step ahead of the others. Yeah, uh, and I think one of his biggest advantages is his mental strength. Yeah. Yeah. So he's professionalism. Yeah. 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 I mean, this whole thing, it's all oriented around winning all the time for yeah. everything. And it's, and it's very impressive. 
Ellie, that was great. Thanks for sharing your time. Uh, we had a big night last night, so I know we're barely hanging on here with this coffee, but uh, thank you so much. Good luck in your preparation, and uh, I can't wait to watch you race this June. Thank you. Good luck.